Throughout my adult life, my focus has been on making the world a more beautiful place. Initially, I pursued this goal as a hairstylist, working on the external appearance of individuals to make them feel more beautiful. However, I wanted more, so I began to shift my focus to helping people make better choices and achieve greater beauty from within. As a transformational life coach, I specialize in helping you identify and change the limiting beliefs that may be holding you back. Join me each week as we discuss, interview, teach, and explore the fundamental principles of healthy relationships. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Louisa. In today's episode of Conscious Conversations with Louisa, I'm speaking with Chris Salem. You gave so much information that it's going to be absolutely valuable. I know one of the things you and I had talked about was your morning ritual to what you do. I've incorporated a few of them in my life. Would you share how you start your day? Sure. Well, for the last 24 years, I've been, I wake up every morning at 4 a.m., And so the first thing I do in the morning, regardless if I'm at home, if I'm on the road, if I'm in a different time zone, sometimes my sleep could get interrupted when I'm traveling, if I'm speaking overseas somewhere or seeing a client somewhere overseas. But I wake up at 4 a.m. and the first thing I do is I make my bed. It allows me to focus on accomplishing one small task so that my mind can be in the moment to focus on one thing at a time. I meditate for 20 minutes, so it allows me to get into the theta wave state to be present so I can tap into my subconscious and unconscious levels of mind so I can conceive what anything that is there that could be holding me back that I can bring to the surface. How I bring that to the surface is through journaling. There's no intention in my writing. I write down whatever comes to mind. Sometimes it may not make any sense. I might write one word, a sentence, five paragraphs. It can vary each day. So it's just a matter of what's com- what's there and what's coming out through my hand onto the paper when I do that. Then from there, I work out four days a week. I do resistance training four days a week. I do cardio three times a week, and I do planks every day. I come back, I take a cold shower, I eat a healthy breakfast, and then I read a chapter or two out of a book, something that is going to move myself forward or something I'm working on for some of my clients. And in terms of business coaching. And then I review my daily goals for the day. I, I, I'm able to accomplish all of those things in a two-hour time frame. So by the time six o'clock rolls around, I can, if I decide I'm going to start my day, I can do that. And it's because I have some, I have clients overseas and it might be early afternoon or mid-afternoon for them. I'm able to do that and, and address their requirements accordingly. So that's that's my daily routine. And then in the evening I do a gratitude list every evening and two or three times a week, I do a body scan meditation, just kind of release any built up stress. If there is any at all uh, that accumulated through the day, I kind of let that out through each of my body areas, like from starting with your feet all the way up to your head and just kind of meditating. But in this case, not going into a deep meditation, but just kind of just letting out that tension so that I could sleep more soundly through the night and get a good night rest. Typically, if I get six and a half, no more than seven hours, that's good for me. And my body's fully rested. I share a lot about collecting evidence. And everyone who is here almost every week, we all know that all of the remarkable people have shared, this is their 
This is what they do. So I truly love seeing yet another person says exactly the same thing and why that equals success. So enough times we're like, how much more proof do we need, right? Like it's it's fascinating to me. It's really as simple as waking up, working out, meditating, journaling. And then, so what about somebody who, I know everyone in here is very clear on who they are and what they're, you're all doing, right? But what about someone who is, not sure about the next step to take. And they're not sure if the steps that they have chosen is the right step for them. How do, how would you suggest to help them get clear? Well, I would say that again, you don't have to, this can apply even if you're in in business, whether if you've been in business for a while, or you're just starting a business or you're buying it, getting into a, a brand new business, or just in your personal life in general. It's, I just find don't, don't overanalyze things. It's easy to say the do is another, but Get, get, if you start getting into where you're overanalyzing things, ask yourself, by what, what am I going to gain from doing that? Just allow yourself to focus again on what you can control and know in that moment. So think of it like a puzzle. If you have a hundred piece puzzle, that's the, that's the results that you're aiming to achieve. You're not sure, again, how you're going to put the hundred pieces together. You're just knowing that's that's the results that you're you're aiming to see. But right now you've got 10 pieces to that puzzle. The other 90 are unknown at this time. Instead of getting caught up in the 90 pieces that you don't know or where, they, where they're going to come from, think of it just like, what can I focus on that I do know? Those 10 pieces. Start with what you know and give yourself permission to acquire new knowledge each day. And this way that you can then learn that when, when it comes to you, then how you can apply it to keep moving forward and grow in the moment. So it's not having all the answers up front. It's just putting one foot in front of the other each day, small steps. It's about progress over perfection. And these are the things that are going to help you from getting, keeping yourself uh, from getting distracted by life and things in business, which if you allow it to happen, it will always happen. So it's just knowing when to say no. It's knowing when to put up healthy boundaries. And just, again, focusing on those things you can control and just giving yourself permission to, to say, hey, this is all I know and what I can do right now. And that, that's all you do. You maximize that to move forward. So I would just say start where, where you're at and learn to leverage your strengths, offset your weaknesses. And that's what's going to help move your life, your business forward based upon those general principles to share. Such gold. I know most of the books that I've been reading, they all share, find the one thing, stick to the one thing and stop getting distracted. What if you don't know what your one thing is? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when we get distracted, we're, we're not consciously aware of it, it's subconscious or unconscious. So the key is, is just that what, what's going to allow, allow you to kind of tap into, even though you may not know exactly what it may be, is just to know that if you're not where you desire to be, to give yourself permission, again, just to go back to the five things that you can control. Don't, again, everybody's on their own journey. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing your business to other types of businesses. Focus on your business. Focus on you. You may decide you want to grow your business into a multi seven-figure, eight-figure business. Some of you may decide that it's going to be a six-figure business. Some of you might say, I'm comfortable. It's not about how much. It's about just, I love what, why I do what you do. And that's really the most important thing and the impact that you're making in people's lives. I know when I got into coaching after leaving a career in 
when I was brokering aircraft and managing sales teams in the air, in the area of aviation media, I knew that I got into coaching. It wasn't about like how much money I can generate. That was like, that was like secondary. That was just a byproduct. It was doing what I really loved to do, which was my purpose. So just focusing on that each and every day, how can you, how can you show up to be your best, not the best, and just applying that, that intelligence that you gain each day and allowing yourself to trust your, your inner champion, that, that emotional intelligence to help you just to keep move forward and, and to be you, to be honest with yourself, operate from those values that define you, not the values that define someone else because you've been led to believe those are the values that will make your life more meaningful or successful. Every All the answers to what's either holding you back or where you desire to be all come from within. The outside things, like when you hear what people share, like I'm sharing here, we're, ju- we're just sharing information. We're just sharing our experience. We're sharing resources. Now it's up to you to decide what can resonate with you and what can you go within that really is going to help you to move and just trust yourself as you do that. That each each day, each week, each month, each quarter, you're going to get better and better and better, and and just embrace those challenges, embrace the pressure, embrace the obstacles, because that's what's going to allow you to grow and to be, to become, and do more. And what impact that you bring into the field that you've chosen to dedicate yourself to. I am going to open it up to everyone else being able to ask you questions too, but I am going to ask at some point, what is, so it gives you time to think about it. What is your, the greatest thing that you're the most proud of yourself for? So it gives you a little bit of time to actually, I'm going to ask it now and then everybody else can go in next. What are you most proud of yourself for? Well, I mean, I've been, I've been in business for since 1990, even before that, but you know, full-time since 1990. So there's several different business accomplishments that I've had throughout my career. But I have to say the mo- the biggest accomplishment is being, well, I'm never going to be the best. And that's not what I'm aiming for. But to be my best is showing up each and every day to be a, a dedicated dad, a dedicated dad that is there for my son. My dad wasn't there for me growing up. And I took my self-limiting beliefs as a result of it that affected my confidence into my adult life, that it impacted my relationships, my well-being, my frustrations in business up until the age of 30, until I hit rock bottom. So I made that conscious decision, in this case, even even not even conscious, unconscious decision to say that I was going to do it differently. And since my son has been a, a small child, I've been involved in every aspect of his life from coaching in his sports to being the example and being a resource for him to grow into the man that he is becoming at this time. He's 14 years old and what he's becoming and learning from his mistakes and encouraging him to take risks and encouraging him to make decisions and not pleasing and enabling him and and doing everything for him. And I'm just that it's never going to be perfect. I have my moments and just knowing that, but that is the greatest accomplishment that I can say when I can go to my grave and say that I did everything I can to show up to be the best possible dad I can be. And I can feel proud about that. And I, we, we inspire a lot of other men to do the same in their, with their children through what we do with our, my nonprofit 501c3 organization empowered fathers in action, where we encourage dads and families in general to really step up in their roles, to be better examples for their kids. Wow. 
Wow. It's one of my favorite things in the world is a man who steps in into his leadership role as a father, because you guys are just, I know my relationship with my dad and I know the, who I am in life is, has such a huge result of the way he's raised me. And I'm so grateful. So I love parents like you, David Reed. He's got a question. I think he's also, were you frozen for a second? Go for it. You talking to me? You talking to me? Can you hear me? Sure am. We can hear you. Yep. Hey, I, you guys, I, hey, Chris, very nice to meet you. One of the questions I had, and you kind of brought it up earlier, was about limiting beliefs. And I wanted to know what was your, what is your go-to? What is your practice when it comes to clearing those for you? What have you found the most beneficial? Yeah, that's a great question, David. Great to meet you. First, I'll clarify what my main limiting belief was, David, and see if that if this resonates with, especially for the men. And it can be for women too. I mean, my, my, my main limiting belief that impacted my confidence and how I communicated to myself and other people, my behavior, my attitude, my emotions, and my course of action, in this case, it was working against me, is that I had a strong need for validation. Now, now, I didn't know this at the time. So where did this strong need for validation come from? Well, it came from the fact that when I was growing up, my dad was, was busy growing a business. He grew up poor and his, his his goal in life was to be successful. So he sacrificed his family. My dad was rarely around. And when he was, he could be very, sh- very short in terms of his temper. He would get mad very quickly. He was very verbally abusive and emotionally abusive. And as a result of that, I didn't realize the impact that it had on me. Now, I wanted to point that picture just to set the stage of what I did flash forward when I was 31 years old, yeah. that I had learned when I hit rock bottom, it was after my father had passed away at the age of 56 of cancer, which I firmly believe was just a physical byproduct of his own limiting beliefs that he had bottled in and suppressed in his his own life. And it just manifested itself into cancer. That was the turning point for me. And I didn't know at the time what I was going to do to address the situation. I was a passive aggressive in my behavior and communication. I couldn't keep a relationship for the life of me. I was at a great work ethic. I could start businesses, make lots of money, and then I can just self-sabotage it and just as quickly as I made it and then repeat the process over and over again. So for me, getting to the root cause of my limiting beliefs, which I didn't know at the time, was through that process of meditation and journaling and having structure. So somebody you know, at the time had taught me that by having some discipline and doing certain things that would serve you even though it was not something I felt comfortable with or didn't even enjoy doing, because I can tell you meditation was not easy for me. It took me nine months to get into a meditative state. And one of the reasons was because I was born with ADHD and sitting in one space for five seconds, my skin would be crawling. It was just so uncomfortable, but I did it regardless. And it was through the meditation and journaling that I was able over time to get to the root cause of my limiting belief. And not only was it my father, my father was the root cause to that. I had to forgive him. But I also had to forgive all the other things that were a byproduct of that source to that. Incidences and experiences that kind of molded and solidified that that feeling of of lack of self-worth and low self-esteem and lack of confidence. And I had to really release that from every cell in my body because my body was carrying it around with me. I had low back pain. I had some health issues in my 20s at the time. 
I didn't realize that it was manifesting in my own body. I had to release all of that. And it was through the meditation and journaling and then coupled with the other things I described in my routine that over time that I was able to really fully release it emotionally, physically, spiritually, even financially, everything. There's eight pillars of wellness, social wellness, emotional wellness, physical wellness, financial, occupational, intellectual, environmental. When I was able to kind of figure out how I can release that and then find harmony with those eight pillars of wellness with the meditation and journaling being the foundation to that releasing that, that is what I was able to do. I was able to almost like clean the slate and then rewire my brain to think in a different way. Because my brain had been wired from anxiety, living in the past and the future, triggered by fear. I had to learn how to think in the moment and to shift my way from out of expectations. Expectations, I don't even operate from expectations. They're not even part of my vocabulary. It's about intentions, acceptance, and trusting the process. Focusing on what I can control, letting go of what I can't. And then allowing the results to be a byproduct. That took a while to get into that frame of thinking. But that's that frame of thinking that over the years has allowed me to accomplish a lot in turning my relationships around in a positive way, being a better dad, and doing doing extremely well in business, even despite having even more obstacles, challenges, and setbacks than I did when, when the old Chris was operating as the victim and all the excuses I came up with. So that's, that's in essence, I know that was kind of long-winded, but, uh, but that was the process I used to overcome my limiting beliefs and not, uh, not allow myself Great. to stand constantly to operate from them. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, David. I know you just froze. Philip. Yes. Holy crap, Christopher. Yeah. This is some good stuff. I feel like I'm listening to my future self a little bit on a bunch of things you're saying all the way back to your past. So I'm really going to be paying attention to you in the future. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Philip. Anytime. I'd be happy to share any insights, anything that can help. With Louise, any friend of Louise is a friend of mine, and you're all a great, great group of people. Thank you. So as I was taking some notes and listening to some things, one of the biggest points you pushed out is exactly the same as my routine in the morning. But how do you hold on to that momentum, that quiet momentum, throughout the day because I can set my intentions in the day. I don't have to be reactive the rest of the day because I've already taken care of myself, but I still seem to run low on my energy throughout the day. And with energy running low, your drive goes down, all that kind of stuff. What are some things that you do to keep that momentum up? Well, that's a great question. So it, it's, it's knowing that you're a human being, right? We're all human beings. We're not going to we're not like a rate, like a machine that's going to operate like seven days a week, 365 days a year on at the same pace. So there's going to be moments that we have to, we have to throttle back. We have to recharge and knowing that we have to be aware and listen to our bodies. Our bodies are great communicators. They, they'll tell, they share with us every day when there are certain things that we should be throttling back. If I feel maybe a certain ache in my body, that might be saying that, Hey, maybe I'm pushing myself a little bit too much with the workout routine, or maybe I'm taking on too much work. So maybe I got to throttle back. So it's, I think what you, what you want to be able to look at, don't look at things as balance. I always hear that work-life balance term. Think about it. Balance. If you had a seesaw balanced on its exit point, if, and I'm not a, I don't know a lot about physics, but I can know that if you, if I did, it would require an enormous amount of energy to keep that, that, that seesaw perfectly balanced on its exit point. It's going to 
So the whole idea is to find the harmony. There's going to be give or take. And just knowing that you're never going to be fully at that, you're operating at that same level each and every day. But when you do, giving yourself permission, maybe it means you got to take a walk or you got to just maybe take, do, a, do some breathing, take a few deep breaths to kind of reset your frame of thinking. And knowing when to shift certain priorities that if you feel like a, if a little tired or whatever, well, what could be causing that? Is it something that, that I'm bringing on emotionally? Am I saying yes? Am I taking on too many things? Do I have to set more, more boundaries? Knowing maybe set certain intervals of the, of the day where I focus on the priorities that matter and I don't get caught up in getting distracted by emails and social media. I know with social media, especially having ADD, ADD or ADHD, I could get I, I could easily get sucked up in social media notifications or emails, but I turn it off. And I say there's only certain times of the day that I do that. So that's another way I'm able to conserve my energy so that I can be laser focused one task at a time. I'm not multitasking where I'm doing three things at once and it's getting only a small amount of my a percentage of my energy towards it. I'm focused. I'm giving 100% every time to one task at a time. Is it easy to do that? No, but it's just, again, that's where the discipline comes in, the consistency doing it that will allow you to ease into that over time. And just when you're human and we're going to have days where we fall off the horse, so to speak, and it's okay. We just pick ourselves up and, and just step up and, and, and how can we be better than we were yesterday? It's about being your best, not about being the best. Thank you. You're welcome. Chris. Yes, Joe. Okay. So Chris, I am a middleman. I put people together and I find myself in a world of egomaniacs, always trying to bring the best that I think the situation can be for both parties. And I believe what you say, the only thing we have control of, I call it, is my attitude. Nothing else one can control except their attitude. But also, I'm a very emotional person. So you're, you're coming from a space where it's, a, it's like a perfect model. I get up at four o'clock. I do this. I do that. I do it. But then you come in contact with all the other egomaniacs that you're trying to balance. You. How do you consistently try and keep all these pieces that you created together without being brought and, and dragged into other people's drama. Yeah. Well, that's where, again, you, it, and I can relate to you, Joe, because I'm also, I was very emotional. I mean, and my emotion that I reacted was anger. I operated the first two years of my life from anger. Anger drove my life. Matter of fact, I used to get high off of anger. That's how crazy it was. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, but then again, I struggled with 12 years of addiction. That was the way I, I medicated from it. I didn't know any better. But with that being said, I would say that, that, again, we can easily get caught up in that because there, we can't control that. We can't control how people are. People are going to have certain personalities. There's going to be narcissists. There's going to be people that are self-serving. They always think they know better than you because they're yeah, in a space yeah. where you're advising them or you're trying to put this piece together with that piece. And they have to under listen. And that's the hardest thing I find, to get people to listen to what you're saying. I have to listen to everything everybody says so I know where people are, but nobody else is listening. They're only well, that's a great point. And, and one of the things, I, and it's funny that you bring this up because I just did this today for a Vistage group in New York City that I'm, I, I do trainings and I'm a speaker for. And these were CEOs of small to mid, mid-sized corporations. 
And these are guys that typically are going to have those egos, right? The thing is, is that active listening requires a lot of focus. We have to have the clarity to have the focus. So you can't change what, let's say you're the mediator between these two people, or you're the, you're the connector between the two. You can only do what, you can only control what you can do there. So the key with the active listening is that thought-provoking questions to either side to get to what's really important to them. Now, sometimes people may not even know what's really important to them, but by asking the questions, not steering them or directing them or telling them, but it, by, by, by allowing them to figure it out, that's building rapport on either side. And sometimes we can then negate or neutralize some of this egotistical behavior or, or mannerisms that may happen. I'm not saying that it always works in that case, but the case is, is not to get caught up in that their energy and knowing that when you feel that happening, that it's okay to say, hey, this is a, let's just call it a day and let's get together tomorrow or the next day, knowing that if it feels like it's impacting you negatively to put up some healthy boundaries and maybe perhaps approach it at another time. But, but I find that active listening work can work very well over time in, built, in getting people to neutralize certain behaviors in ways they communicate. So this way that when they feel that they've been heard, but in this case, not from an ego standpoint, but what's really important to them, that may help to bring people together to be more understanding. Of well, them. I like what you're saying about the questions, because yeah. I also find the most difficult thing is that if the words don't mean the same thing to everybody that is involved in reaching a decision or getting to the next step, that you, 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 it's, you find it difficult to go forward because the, the, they're interpreting whatever the words are differently. You talk about a value system. There's a, va- there's a value system because here's the reality, Joe. We're not going to be everything for everyone. People have different personality types. People have different experiences. We, 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 we have different values. And it doesn't mean we have to have the same values, but we have to be able to find the values that we can connect on and then be able to articulate in a way how people like to be communicated to. So if I'm talking again, we don't like, I don't like to generalize things, but let's just say for the sake of this conversation, if I'm talking to a baby boomer or a Gen Xer, we might be having this conversation on Zoom or face-to-face. If I'm talking to a Gen Z, they may not feel comfortable talking face-to-face or one-on-one in Zoom. It may be that I'm talking to them through text, even though that's not my preferred way of communicating. No, no. But I have to adapt to that because that may be how they perceive See, because we can't control what they're going to perceive. I can paraphrase everything I said to, that, and, and try to explain as specifically, clearly, concisely that I'm trying to get through to someone, but they're still going to perceive what they're going to. So I always find that that if you can be the example, like when somebody says something, repeat back to them, John, you said this, blah, 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 blah. Is that correct? Did I hear you correctly? Yes, Joe, I, that's exactly what I said. Tom, you said this blah, 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 blah. And then that, that they feel heard now. So now I'm not saying that, that again, that's going to change everything, but it more likely is going to neutralize that feeling like, Hey, I'm the alpha male or I'm the alpha person and I'm going to have the last word and I'm right. You're wrong type of thing that you might have better luck of now getting these two to kind of like, see what's best for the situation. It also is good because it creates a break 
in the pattern of proving that they're right. Because yeah. everybody wants to prove that they're right about yeah. what the direction is. Yeah. But if you ask them the question, okay, is this what you said? Is that what you mean? Yeah. It's going to be, no, I like that. That's good. Yeah. It took, it took me a long time to, because I, I was <laughs> being a passive aggressive in my former life as a communicator. I was, it was very one-sided. I had no respect for anyone's rights or responsibilities as the sender or receiver with communication. It was my way or the highway. And, and I ended up getting the short end of the stick. I, I burnt myself because I, I came, always came into every situation. I'm the one, I'm right, you're not. Listen to me. Just detach yourself from the outcome. I know it's not easy to do, but just go in with the right intentions, not the expectations, and be the example and just find ways to ask questions where people can feel like they've been heard, related to either side. And hopefully that is going to bring people to kind of see the bigger picture of what's best for whatever you're talking about. It's not, again, like one-sided conversation. It's now we got people talking and like what's best for what we're collaborating on or whatever that project is. Okay. Thank, thank you for asking. Great question, Joe. I love that because I always feel like me, me realizing and knowing my own worth and my own value in a space really helped not get so frustrated with everything else that was happening. And I think that was one of the areas I was struggling in was really charging what I was worth and not getting resentful in within the stuff. I, I would get into areas that really didn't belong to me because I wasn't charging my worth. And the minute I raised my prices, the experience of the stuff kind of went away because I made it about those things It's because something was missing. Mm. So I don't know if that resonates with anyone. I love Joe's look, like really? <laughs> Does anyone, Tracy, go for it if you wanted to share. Are you able to unmute? Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Hi, Louisa. I wanted to ask Chris, what kind of things that you did, like books you read, programs you did, that had you cross over from being the passive aggressive guy. I understand you meditated for nine months and journaled and started to see these things for yourself. And that's an inside job, but I'm really curious in your history, what kind of things that you did? Well, it, yes. I mean, for me, I mean, I had a combination where, again, I had also just got clean and sober around that time many years ago. So I was in the 12 step program. So I took, I took some, some of the philosophy of, of the 12-step program and forgiveness and a lot of the principles they teach in a 12-step program. I wouldn't say that I was religious by any means. I was more spiritual. That's why I went the Eastern, went into Eastern meditation because I just, it really resonated with me more. But I'm a big believer in books. And one of the books that really had a profound impact to me, and it was not a book that was as popular and even with, you know, you know, these two gentlemen who I consider friends today, which I, you know, had on, on my radio show in the past, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, is they, they had a book called The Power of Focus. And, and again, it was a book that was under the radar. A lot of, they didn't get a lot of press for it. It wasn't like some of the other books they had, they, they individually or together had put out. But it was a book that really outlined a lot of these principles. As a matter of fact, even some of the, a lot of things that Jim Rohn used to talk about as well. And Jim Rohn was one of my, my favorites. And mm -hmm. 
And, and a lot of the things that, you know, even during the time when I was struggling, I was still listening to Jim Rohn. It just didn't seem at the time I was actually now putting it into action. I think I was just in that I was gathering information and storing it, but I wasn't processing it and applying it. But when I, when I eventually started to make these changes, I began to take those teachings and began to apply it. And, and then I, I found, I just found my own process. And, and this is the process that I, I, I use and, and, and share and teach not only on a personal level with people in my, co- with, with the coaching, but also at a business level, when even when I'm people, when I, people come in, when they're looking to scale their, their businesses, or they're looking to reach a higher level to sell their business, I incorporate all these things in because you got to build a foundation. So me, books are imperative. And one of the books is that the, the Atomic Habits is one of the books that, that recently came out. I'm a big fan of with James Clear. I think it's an excellent book because I, I always ask somebody, when you look at somebody's success, if, if, they, if you look at their success, you're going to see that, that their foundation is built on a daily habits of whatever that is that they do, that they're consistent. I've, 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 everybody I've talked to that's had success, and it doesn't mean how much money you make. It's like how they live their life, the impact that they make in the, in the world or whatever that cause that they're, they're dedicated their purpose to. They have a daily routine. And I think books are a great way to, to not only extract that information, but to, it, it gives you the, the time and the moment to begin to process it and what it means to you and how does it resonate with who you are so that you can begin to apply that. It's not doing it everything verbatim what the book says, but adapting it to your own process, allowing you to now move forward within your own process. So, but The Power of Focus was a book that I really, really meant a lot to me. And that book came out in the 90s. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Fatima, I know you're not raising your hand, but I know you are a always having questions. So let's have you share. I just, I'm listening. I love everything he's saying. I guess one question that I might have is when it comes to boundaries, like one of my issues with creating the boundaries is like understanding there's always a conflict of like, if I say no, what if I miss out? If I say no, like what am I missing an actual opportunity? So like, how do you, how do you work through that? I guess. That's a good question. That's a great question, Fatima. Great question. There, I mean, there's going to be, there's always opportunities. It's a question of now that are you listening because somebody told you this is the best opportunity or is your, is, are you really stating from within your inner voice stating that there's an opportunity? Now there are sometimes as people, we miss opportunities we miss them because we're so caught up in the in the fear in the past and the future. It can be right in front of us and we don't even see it. Okay, that's another story. But again, there's always going to be opportunity. It's just that a matter of that we have to learn to be present. We have to learn to be focused, have clarity. But the key is, is if you begin to decide, okay, I got three, four different types of opportunities, which one's best for me? Instead of like just listening to what everyone's going to say, hey, I think this is best for you. I'm not saying that's the case, but I know that used to be the case with me back in the day because I used to ask everybody in God's name what they thought of. Hey, do you think this will be good for me? Is trust your intuition. Trust your intuition. Your intuition rarely is going to be wrong. If never, it will. And most likely it will never be wrong. 
doesn't mean that it's always going to be the right decision because sometimes that at the time it seems like the right decision, but it was necessary. So even if it doesn't work out, it's still the right decision because you listen to your gut because that could be something now that by learning from that experience, the next opportunity is not going to move you up the ladder to where it goes. Failure is part of the process. It's not, it's not failure, it's a true failure unless you quit. So I would say that if you listen with, with intent from, from within that inner voice, your, your gut, trust it. Trust it. Even if the outcome does not work out, doesn't mean that it was the wrong choice. It just means that that was necessary for you to learn to grow so that at the next opportunity, you're going to move, you're moving up the, moving up the steps to where you're going. So I love that it, so much, Chris. Everything you said so far has been super amazing. It's gold. Sorry about the child in the background. Anyway. Oh, no worries. Um, I love kids. I, screaming yeah. kids are awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that actually, I love that because I do follow my intuition all the time most of the time, but I love how you said that that just leads you to the next, it's like building up on its building up on itself. Right. So I do question that a lot, but thank you so much. I love that feedback. I appreciate it. Just trust the process. Even when things are not going well, or you're financially strapped, just knowing that if you believe in, in the vision of what you're, why you're doing this, because you know, this is, you're doing this because somehow it resonates with you. You are just look at every experience is happening for you. I know it took me a long time to figure that out, but once I did, and I went through that, that difficult period of where I was just scraping by that you eventually will break through and you will have that success because you trusted your, your intuition every step of the way. And sometimes when we don't, it's okay. We just go back and we, we just, wherever we got off, we get back on and, and just keep moving forward. I love that. And I actually have a follow-up question with that. So like, I love how you said that you follow your intuition and that feels right. Sometimes though, like in, in, oh gosh, I feel like I overextend myself and I don't give a hundred percent, but yet it still feels right. Is that normal? Is that what you're saying? Well, it, it can be. So the thing is, it's just going back to, you have to establish boundaries. You also have to be able to take down your task and begin to really whittle down what are your really your most important tasks that are going to move you and your business forward. We could all be busy. Many people are busy, but are they really productive? Again, we can get caught up in distractions. We can get caught up in busy work, but it's not really. I've seen a lot of people that that either whether have I seen them from the outside in or they end, ended up working with me, hired me to coach them. I've seen that where when they talked about where they were at, they were caught up in, in getting ready to get ready because, again, it was the fear that was holding them back. They, fe- they figured by doing something was at least in their head, hey, I'm doing something and I'm busy. I'm working it. But they, w- but they didn't have priorities in, that were prioritized in the right way. They, they, were, they didn't value their time. See, we can manage time all we do. We- but managing time, if we don't value it, then managing time is really useless because you're, you're just going to allow other distractions to come in. So I would say, again, just reviewing each morning, what are the most important tasks? And usually it's the ones that are the most difficult and uncomfortable. Those are the ones that are going to help you to move you forward. And then designate certain times during the day that you could do some of the things that are technically labeled as the busy work. Like, hey, checking your emails, unless you're, you got an important email coming or checking social media. I only check social media 
twice a day if I'm lucky. And I usually, and I have a team of people that help me do that because I can't watch it all day long. I just, to me, it's not a good use of my time. So it's finding, again, just value your time, reprioritize the the tasks that are going to help move you and your business forward. And the things that are still necessary, but not as important, either designate certain times or hire other, maybe a VA or somebody to help you with those things so you could focus your energy on the things that really truly matter to move your business forward. Again, there's no perfection here with it. You, you still might have your moments, but but if you're if you're decreasing that time, getting caught up in a lot of busyness or taking on too much, it, this this will give you some more harmony back in your life in your in your business. So I just want to say, Lisa always has a way of bringing on the right speakers. You you definitely spoke to my heart because I'm going through this transition, and you mentioned something about being busy, and I had to look at like. Why am I always busy yet? My business is not moving forward. And so what do I get to, how do I get to pull back? Because I felt it in my body. I had health issues recently and it just really made me look at everything. And am I busy because I'm moving forward or am I busy causing chaos? And so I am actually like, I had my phone turned off today and this is a real first time that I jump on zoom and I'm, I'm just really considering taking everything back all these zoom meetings, I'm like on zoom after zoom after zoom, but I'm glad that following my intuition, I wanted to be on here. <laughs> and you just validated everything. So thank you so much, Chris. This You're is- welcome. <laughs> it's a great question. Value, value, value your time because there are time suckers, social media, and they're going to be people, not that their intention is to, to waste your time, but they, they, if they're like, they could be, they could be like vampires. They, if you give them, it's called pleasing enabling. If you make yourself available, they will take up that time and, and drain you. So another thing I, I, if I can add, if this adds any help, be valuable, not available, be valuable, value your time, then be valuable in that time to be a resource for others, but don't make yourself available, available, because if you do, People will call you at all hours of the night. They'll text you at all hours of the night. They'll they'll take up your time and then take you away from the things that really will move your business forward. And you're not really helping them. You're just enabling them just to stay stuck and dependent upon somebody or situations. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So much gold. I love when I saw Fatima sitting there so peacefully and quietly. And then she has the mic drop question. I love <laughs> it so much. <laughs> it's so because I, I get FOMO too. I want to say yes to everything because God forbid that was the one thing I missed out on. But I, I do trust myself now. And when the more I've been doing the meditations and the journaling, my yeses and nos are so clear that I'm not feeling like there's FOMO at all anymore. My yes and no comes very clearly. And I ask myself, is this a yes or is this a no? How does my body feel? And I, I cannot believe I'm going to say this as be, it's being going live on Facebook, but I just recently made myself laugh because I said, if we're thinking of the past, we've got one leg in the past and one leg in the future, we're kind of peeing on today. And so <laughs> I said that to someone the other day and they laughed. I was like, now I'm going to say it live on Facebook. I'm <laughs> so entertaining. So, I mean, that's what we do is we worry about and, and regret the past and we worry about the future and we absolutely miss what's right now and asking ourselves the questions like, 
how do I want to be right now? And I have to say, I said this before I started recording with Chris, the, the space you hold with the way you show up, it's just so clean and easy that I feel like leaders are all around you because of the way you show up. And I'm so grateful for, to be able to experience you because anything I've ever, any business I've ever done, any question I've ever asked has always just had clear space around it. And I know your work is so powerful because of the way you show up. And I love that you said that you've been doing it 24 years and not, I'm like, why aren't I there yet? And I appreciate that it wasn't. It, it took, a, it didn't, like I said, it, it didn't happen right. So I, like I said, Louisa, don't, you can model yourself about people you, 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 you admire. I call them a trusted advisors, but no, it's your journey. It's not, you're not becoming that person verbatim. Be who you are. It's your journey. Comparing yourself to another person where they're at is not going to help you to move forward. Just trust your process, trust your journey. And just knowing that what are you doing to serve yourself? Because not only are you, that's not selfish because you're filling your cup because if you can be the example and be a resource for others to do the same, you're actually giving them the greatest gift you can give anybody. That could be your kids, your spouse, your peers, your, your anybody, it doesn't matter who it is, but you have to serve yourself in the moment forward, whether that's personally in your business, knowing when to leverage your strengths, offset your weaknesses, and knowing that that you, you do make an investment sometimes, that you invest in yourself to grow. But instead of trying to grow your weaknesses, grow your strengths, enhance them. You could offset your weaknesses to other people and or resources, automation, whatever that may be, so that you could be more productive. So if you're trying to be the bottle, the bottle washer, the cook, the waiter, the waitress, the restaurant owner, and that you're trying to do everything, that's just going to drain you. It's knowing when, maybe if you're not, Let's say if you have a business, you're just starting out, you're not financially there. Okay. But do your best to know when to leverage to other resources so you can focus on the things that you do best. I always find that in the long run, that's what's going to move you forward. And then when you get to a place where money's coming in, your things are going well, you can weather the storm, even if you go through a downturn. Now you can work on your business, not in it. That's the key. That's what a successful entrepreneur knows how to do it, working on the business, not in it. Big difference. Love it. So one of the things I was thinking about recently is when someone's in college, they know this is the amount that they're going to pay towards college. And they're going to take about this much time to not be producing income, but to be studying and, and they expect to spend money. I feel like entrepreneurs look at it differently. They expect to walk into a business, not spending the the money or the time and they expect to make the money. Have you noticed that? Because I I truly, and the the misconception of what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, it's very common. I mean, you see this in network marketing. People come in, oh, I can refer a few people and I can make some great money. They showed me the fancy cars that I could, I could, that they're driving in, they're getting off a a private jet. Oh yeah, that, that's going to be me. And then they realize, well, it really requires hard work. It, any anything is going to require effort. There's no there's no quick process. There's no a, a, a guaranteed successful business in, in in a in a box that you buy. Now now there could be some things that can help you. I mean, there's things there are some things that can expedite that. You can buy a franchise. You can there's some other things that people can do it for you if you have the money to invest and in. you can reap the rewards of that. But but 
but just know that whatever you're going to pursue, it's going to require dedication. You have to really, you have to be, you have to understand your role and duties in that each day, each week, each month, each quarter, be accountable, be responsible, and really be open for new ways to, to, to grow your business and, 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 and trusting your gut to choose the, with the, the sort resources or people to align with. But as people, we can get caught up. I see it all. I call it shiny object syndrome. Well, they start one thing and then somebody else comes along. Hey, I got this great opportunity. You got to jump in it. And then you get distracted. And now you become part of their agenda, not the agenda that you were working on. So you got to, you got to know when to put boundaries. Just, I always find that, and this again, I'm sharing from experience, choose something you enjoy. Don't just solely do it on, on your passion. Choose something that you you enjoy, that, that, that it does serve your purpose, but you have prior experience either indirectly or directly with it in some level, whatever that is. That is most likely going to be a better recipe to move you and your business forward. If it's something strictly on passion alone, that's, but if there's no prior experience, now you, you got know, you to you work on that. It might take you a little bit longer. If that's where you're going to do, you just got to understand that you're going to have to learn some of the, gain some of that experience in order to really start seeing a big change in your business. So my, my, what I'm sharing here is don't get caught up in what, what's good for other people. Find what's good for you. Find what's good for you. That's their journey. That's their choice. That's what resonates with that doesn't have to mean it has to resonate with you. Choose what what brings you, what gets you up in the morning. Choose something that you've had some prior experience again, indirectly or directly. Those are the things that are going to keep you, you know, you know, through discipline to show up each day to weather the storm, to embrace the process that in five years, whenever it may be, that you can look back and say, thank God I committed myself because it was worth it. And you'll have more gratitude and compassion and empathy as a result of it. At least I know that was the case for me after going through this change many years ago. Such gold. So value your time. Anyone else want to pop in and ask questions and share what you got from the amazing Chris? Well, Chris, again, thank you. David here again. It was something you said, and it reminded me of something that John Wooden said. Perfect timing to get it. Another brilliant coach confused activity. I guess, Wait, could you hear what I said? It, it cut out, but you were saying about John Wooden. John Wooden was one of my favorite leadership. Well, he, he was a basketball coach for UCLA, but one of my favorite leader leadership coaches of all time. Absolutely. And I had a, a privilege of meeting him once and having dinner with him. And he, one thing he said was, don't confuse activity with accomplishment. And what you said resonated, what you said about being busy, but being using your time valuable. Yeah. And um, I fall into that trap sometimes. So thank you for reminding me of that. And uh, I'm going to use that again. Well, one thing, David, I'm glad you brought up John Wooden because now you got basketball. My son, my son plays mm-hmm. basketball. You look at the late, great Kobe Bryant that unfortunately passed away. But one thing what made Kobe such a great basketball player and a leader on the court was he never got away from the basics. And what I mean is like the, the, the basics that we learned in grade school about that when we fourth grade, when we, when we were playing basketball and you're, maybe that was the first year you could play on a school team. You learned how to dribble. You learned how to guard. You learned how to rebound and shoot free throws and whatever the case may be. 
These are the things that Kobe Bryant never forgot and, and did every day. You would find him on the court at three o'clock in the morning and he'd be out there doing those basic drills that, again, kids in grade school do that a lot of basketball players in the NBA end up moving on saying, I don't have to do that stuff. And, but this is why this is the man who had clarity. He had focus. He could see things that that the players couldn't see on the court because he committed to that foundation, to those basics. And, and, and when you said John Wooden, he he kind of just reminds me, that's the type of coach he was. He, he, he stayed true to the basics of, leadership and into the game and why he was one of the more most successful college basketball coaches of all time and coach in life as well and coach in life absolutely great man you're amazing and i knew it and i i love being able to like share you with everybody and i am so grateful for your time and your wisdom and your knowledge your experiences and thank you for sharing it all with us how can everyone continue staying in touch with you and connect with you. Well, thank you. First of all, I want to thank you, Louisa, for having me. And I want to thank everybody here. You got you all a great group and questions are, are spot on and love the energy. I mean, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. You can reach me. I, I, if I, if I'm on any social media platform, I tend to be a little bit more on LinkedIn than anything else, but so LinkedIn's a good place. You can reach out to me. My email, if you like to stay in touch, I'd love to connect is Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. It's just my full name, Chris. And yeah, I mean, I, I just love to get to know people. And if there's anything I can do to share any resources that can help, just let me know. This is so great. And I know that real quick, one of the things that I noticed about you, and I'm just going to say this because I know we all value relationships, is your beautiful relationship with your wife. How much time do you spend and how do you block off time to to connect with her? Well, we, we, I block off time, just like I schedule things for myself with the routine and then time with my son, my business, my clients speaking it, 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 again, designate, I designate that with my wife. So we have like a date night once a week. And then there's certain things in the evening where we'll be together and we'll eat dinner and we'll talk and we'll just talk about our day and talk about what, what are some things that she might require some feedback on, or I like to call it feed forward and, and vice versa. And, and we just, we, we don't, we don't depend upon each other. We, we complement each other. Her happiness is her choice. Her happiness is her responsibility, just like mine is my own. But when we come together, we can complement each other. So we, we strive to create an interdependent relationship in, in our marriage not one that is codependent where one is dependent upon the other. We, I'm good at certain things that she isn't, and she's great at other things that I'm not good at. So we're able to kind of find that harmony. So it's just constant. It's just consistent that we, it's not perfect. And we just do our best to move along and, and, and create harmony in our marriage, just accepting our role and duties, being accountable and complimenting one another. So beautiful. So, so beautiful. I always feel like that, that is the, when you show up and when you get to create that with your partner and with everyone else in life, it's really it. So thank you so much, Chris. And I love you all for taking your time, your very precious, valuable time to being here with us and, and taking life on to the next level. 
Thank you.